you're at work alone. It's 1 a.m. and normal people are in bed. But you're not normal people. You're a tired night shift employee and you just want the night to be over with. Suddenly, the door to the shop opens. The bell rings, signaling it's time for you to put on the customer service mask. Before you can recite the typical greeting, your breath catches in your throat and you find it nearly impossible to continue standing. The customer that walked in is a woman in a tattered dress tarnished with brown and red stains. At first, your eyes are locked on her otherworldly appearance. Then they shift to her feet, which aren't touching the ground, before your eyes finally end up on the smile poking through her greasy black hair. A smile that isn't a mouth, but a tear in her face. Your shift will never be over. Enjoy these 10 dark confessions from night shift employees. Nights in a Car Lot by T. Moses. I've been a night shift security guard at a car dealership on the edge of the Twin Cities for about two years now. There have been many interesting occurrences that I cannot explain. I've decided to start telling people about these happenings in the last couple of months due to the frequency of these events and to also reassure myself that I'm not going crazy. We can start this story with a brief description of myself. I'm six feet tall and weigh 240 pounds. My main source of income is fixing cars at a different dealership during the day and only decided to get a second job so I can destroy any resemblance of a social life that may be left after the 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. job. The original night guard was my father, who had procured this job for extra income so he could assist my brother, who was attending school down in Texas and can't really work due to him receiving a full-ride baseball scholarship and having a rigorous training schedule. My father was burning himself out, working more hours than the day is long, he asked me if it would be possible to take every other day to give him a hand. Of course, I responded, due to the fact that having some extra cash would be rather nice. Nothing happened for the first fall and winter months until spring rolled around in mid-April, if I recall. I don't remember the entire call, but I do remember the first words he said in one of the calmest voices I've ever heard from his mouth. I, uh, I found a guy who blew his head off behind the dealership. I understand that the way my father broke the news to me may shock some people, but my father is a former sheriff's deputy and police officer who had been in law enforcement for almost 20 years. This kind of talk, and at the time, what I thought was his dark sense of humor, was normal. Why are you messing with me at one in the morning? I promptly responded. In an annoyed tone, he stated, just get down here. I hopped in my truck and made the 45 minute drive in 30 minutes once I realized the seriousness of the 20 second phone call I just hung up from. I arrived behind the dealership as the paramedics were removing the body that once sat in the driver's seat of the vehicle, now covered in red. 
All I could do was gaze at the lifeless body of someone who was just alive a few hours ago. One of the officers pointed me in the direction of my dad. I would go into more detail about what I saw, but I don't want this to be that kind of story. Life moved on, and we resumed our shift schedule as if nothing had ever happened, putting the images in the back of my mind and pushing them down until I eventually forgot all about that night. It was about a month later when I was checking the doors around the building at the start of my shift, because the day staff usually forgot to lock them. I made my way around the building and was not surprised to find the back door unlocked. I decided to take a look around, Having actually never seen the inside of this building before, I made my way around the shop, looked at the setup and seeing how it differed from mine. I finally made my way up to the show floor where I proceeded to sit at the receptionist's desk listening to music videos for a couple of hours. I looked at my phone and realized that a couple of hours ended up being about five. I decided I spent way too much time inside after putting everything back to the way I found it, I proceeded to make my way toward the back door that was still not locked. I was about three feet from the door when the most paralyzing feeling ran down my spine. Every hair on my body stood up, and I immediately stopped in my tracks. The moment I came to a standstill, I heard a voice behind my right ear, as if someone had whispered to me, Wait, don't go. It was a very clear, soft, and what sounded to be a young girl's voice. Immediately, I turned around in shock, very much expecting to see a child behind me. But there was nothing. I saw no one. But I began to call out in case someone was there. I hoped anyone would come out in hopes that I could solidify my sanity. But no one responded. I gave it a few seconds before I started clearing every room in the dealership with my flashlight and sidearm. As I near the final rooms of the building, the growing anticipation of finding this person had my adrenaline pumping harder than it ever had. Upon entering the last door and the realization of it only being me in the building, it sent my body into flight mode and towards the door, running in a fear-fueled sprint. I locked the door behind me, got in my truck, and set across the highway for the remainder of the night. After that, I began bringing my dog with me after the previous incident. Oakley was his name. He's an 80-pound German Shepherd lab mix. He was incredibly protective and built like a brick outhouse. Plus, he has a very deep bark. Other than that, everything was normal for the next three weeks. It was the end of week number three, and everything had been quiet, other than having to kick out two kids off the property. This evening, however, would turn out to be very different. It was about two in the morning when I was throwing the ball for Oakley. All of a sudden, every light on the property went out, and a loud, feminine scream emitted from what sounded like every direction at once. The blood-curdling scream was filled with pain and agony, that lasted for maybe 30 seconds. I noticed that my dog was trembling between my legs and was also looking every direction in an attempt to ascertain the source. The lights then turned back on 
and the agonizing screaming had stopped just as the lights clicked back on. I stood there for a moment, trying to work out in my head what just happened. Once Oakley stopped shaking, we sat in the truck until my shift was over. A week later, I finally decided to tell my dad what was going on and that I was considering quitting. He proceeded to tell me that around the time I encountered the first phenomenon, he had seen someone run through the building and dissolve into thin air as he spotted it. My dad also admitted that he heard the scream that I had just described the week before. I didn't know what to say, but decided I wasn't completely crazy and could stick it out a while longer. There were about nine months without any further incidents other than scaring kids off that were wanting to tag a new vehicle or do donuts in the parking lot. It was the month leading up to when my dad first found that man who took his own life a year before, and I received another 1am phone call. Another one. My father said in the same chilling voice from the original call. Immediately, like it was yesterday, flashbacks from the year prior came rushing into my head that had been repressed for some time. As I again made my way down to the site at a slightly slower speed than the original day, an overwhelming sense of dread came over me. Upon arrival, the police were already gone, and the only thing remaining was another car with the driver's side seat covered in red, awaiting the tow truck. I looked at the car from a distance thinking about last year and noticed how the car was parked in the same spot. I still work the night shift and have no plans of quitting. I still can hear the scream from time to time and see silhouettes moving in the corner of my eye, but nothing has ever physically happened to me, and I can't explain the rest of it. I hope people will enjoy this story and draw your own conclusions as to what may be happening here, because whatever it is, it's definitely nothing good. Working the Night Shift at a Bar by Anonymous I used to work at a bar. It's been a few years now and I think I've moved past this experience. Now, at the bar I worked at, I usually worked during the day, but my boss had me work the night shift a couple of times, the closing shift. Now there's been talk about the bar being haunted by spirits. As the story goes that I'm often told, an old house was burnt down here in the same spot the bar is now standing. People who come in for a drink late at night share some odd stories from time to time, but these are two of my own. The first one is pretty short, but kind of scary. I was told to stay till one in the morning and I had come in at nine I was getting hungry at one point, and as I was the only one there that night, I walked over to the nearby gas station real quick, grabbed a snack, ran back to the bar, then enjoyed my meal alone while watching some videos on my phone. Suddenly, at one point, my phone turned off. I was shaking my head and looking at it because it should have been at around 60%. The light soon followed, flickering on and off, before going out entirely. What was extra weird 
was when I went to check the generator, which was in the basement of the building. It was still going strong. So why everything electrical just went out like that and never came back on till the end of the shift? I have no idea. Literally the second I exited the building, my phone came back on. I checked the battery and it was at what I thought it was, far from zero or even half. That was the first time I put any weight or thought into the stories I'd heard from customers and other employees. On the second experience, I had other friends with me at the time. We were asked to cover the closing shift and of course obliged. Extra hours is extra cash and time always goes by quicker when you've got friends with you. I was the first one there that night. I like to clock in early because the bar lets me and I get a little bit of extra cash on top of my check. As I was waiting for the others to arrive, I soon noticed something strange. There was what looked like a silhouette watching me from upstairs in the corner. At first, I saw the shape out of the corner of my eye and I immediately thought I was imagining things until I saw it move. In the blink of an eye, it was immediately in front of me. I was horrified and jumped, screaming at the top of my lungs. As I stared at the entity before me, I saw that it was almost completely black. There were no eyes or features on the thing. It was like a 3D living shadow. After a few seconds, it just wasn't there anymore. Like it vanished, glitched right back out of existence. Next thing I know, I was on the floor in the bathroom and my friends were looking at me. I asked them why they took so long to show up. I was accusatory and angry. I felt like I had been left alone to endure this nightmare by myself. After a while, I finally cheered back up and got back to work. I'm still not sure how real everything I saw was. If it was, was it the spirit of someone who passed away in the fire? Or was it the shadow version of myself as the figure had stood at the same height with the same build as me? I don't think I'll ever know, but I don't think I'll ever find a job as interesting as my closing shifts at the bar. Skinwalker by Siren24601 I lived in a small farming village with a population of about 300. The area was rather close to the largest Adena burial mounds in my state. I'd been living in our house for about a year now and had recently got a dog who was training to be my service dog because I have multiple sclerosis and have severe balance issues. Three months after getting my dog, it was around two in the morning and I was in the kitchen getting a drink. I heard my dog outside barking all of a sudden. This was pretty common. I worked at home for a living and usually worked at night and in intervals, I would let him out to use the bathroom on his lead. The thing is, I did not recall taking him outside this time. The last I remember was bringing him back in from the last session. I brushed it off as maybe an MS memory lapse or something. I went out to get him and he was at the base of our 25-foot wheelchair ramp and refusing to come inside. This is also strange because he was doing great in his training, always knew when to come when called. I immediately grew frustrated with him 
as this was very out of character for him. The light from our solar spotlight was dim and I looked down at my dog. Something was wrong with his appearance. His hind legs suddenly seemed taller than his back legs and I noticed that I couldn't see his normally fluffy tail wagging. And believe me, that thing never stops wagging. He stood there barking at me, and even his bark sounded just wrong. It sounded almost like someone, a person, was trying to imitate a dog bark. It was a good imitation, but it definitely wasn't genuine. I figured all of this was just due to my tired state and the lack of caffeine in my system. I started to slowly walk down the ramp when suddenly I heard my dog behind me. I turned and saw him clawing at the back door trying to get out. He was snarling viciously. I'd never heard him snarl like that and I have not heard him do it ever since. I honestly thought I was just beyond the point of exhaustion. However, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up straight and so was my dog's. Have you ever seen a long-haired golden retriever's hair stand up like that? He looked scary even to me, his handler. I quickly jumped inside and locked the door. Too terrified, too disturbed to turn and look down at what wasn't a dog at the bottom of the wheelchair ramp. I thanked my lucky stars that whatever was down there was hesitant about going up the ramp. If it had gotten to me, I don't know what it was going to do. I went to my computer and stopped work early that night, logging out and just going to bed. I couldn't deal with this at the moment, and the entire night my dog laid at my feet on the bed, not moving, ears perked right up. It wasn't until I was browsing a few Native American legends that I realized I wasn't crazy that night. I broke down and told my husband of the event, and the first thing he said to me was what I had read. It was a skinwalker. My husband is Native American and grew up hearing stories of loads of things that go bump in the night. It scares me just to remember this incident, even to this day. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer, Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
Hotel Clerk Stories by Christy B. 1. The Northside Bandit I was a late-night shift supervisor for a hotel on the ghetto side of town near a major highway in Louisiana. Our hotel locks its doors after dark for safety reasons, so to check in, you have to go through a window. It all began in January 2011. A girl I work with had something happen to her. Late one night during her shift, a guy in a dark four-door car parked sideways in front of the window. After a while, she felt the guy watching her. The guy began to blow kisses at her from the entrance slash window. He was doing something below her view with his other arm. She gave him a gross but shocked reaction, and she called the police, gave them the plate number to the guy, but the police never came. Later on, I came back from my two days off, returning to work under the graveyard shift. I had no idea what would be waiting for me. It was after midnight that day, my first day back, when I noticed a car with a man in it who was dressed very similar to Freddy Krueger. He pulled in sideways in front of the check-in window. At first, I thought he was waiting for someone, but after a couple of minutes, I decided that he needed to move because if he wasn't checking in or waiting on someone, then he was in the way. Before I walked away from the counter, I noticed that the man was watching me. I stopped, wondering how long he had been doing so. Earlier that day, I'd heard the story from my coworker about the man in the car, and all too late did I realize this car matched that description. I dialed the police quickly. I tried not to look back at the guy, because according to the story, that's what he wanted. He got off on us watching him as he watched us. So I turned and faced away from him, waiting for the police to hopefully show up this time. I heard his car rev up as if he was trying to tell me that he was angry, that I wasn't doing what he wanted. Suddenly, I heard him drive away, burning rubber just outside. And unfortunately, about two minutes after he left, the cops showed up. It was too late. Over the next two years, the guy would show up, somehow avoiding capture by the cops, and the cops around these parts not wanting to stay unless they had to. So despite us begging, they wouldn't stake out, even if we guaranteed that the guy would show up. It's like they didn't want to do their jobs. When he finally stopped showing up, that's when we started getting phone calls, weird phone calls of someone saying some nasty things over the lines. And if he picked up and a man answered, he would ask for one of the girls which would immediately be a red flag. Luckily though, the calls soon stopped as well. Two, one late December night in 2011, it was midnight when I received a call at the front desk from a person staying in room 121. That was one of our hotel rooms that was located on the outside. There's a complaint that there's a party going on upstairs the guests can hear talking and laughing and music coming from the room. I report this to the head of security, and he makes a round. 20 minutes later, he comes back, 
but reports that he hadn't heard a thing, that it was completely quiet by room 121 and the floor above it. But sure enough, the guests called again, saying now they were hearing people running around laughing upstairs, slamming doors, and more loud music. She even claimed there was cigarette smoke, and those rooms were no smoking. Fed up with this, I decided to ask the maintenance man, who often doubled as a front desk clerk when he needed to be, to watch the front desk while I went to check. I walked over to the CCTV monitors. I looked for the entrance to room 221, found it. When I enlarged the screen and turned the microphone on for that camera, I heard it for myself. Music, people laughing, people running around like they were crazy. But no one was outside in the hallway or on the balcony. So me and Mr. Paul, the security guy from before, set off for room 221. Even while walking there, I could hear the music from outside the room. Soon after that, the laughing came clear too. We banged on the door when we arrived, but no one answered it. Growing angry, Mr. Paul unlocked the door the moment the key card touched the lock. It went absolutely silent. My heart pounded and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. Swallowing hard, I stared at Mr. Paul and he hesitantly opened the door. The room was completely empty, dark, just as room service had left it from the previous tenant. But what's even more horrifying is that we could smell cigarette smoke, fresh cigarette smoke. After talking to guests in nearby rooms, it turned out that numerous people had heard the noise, and it just so happened to be room 121 that complained about it first. I avoided room 221 at all costs after that, and whenever people got close to that room or even went inside, they claimed that they were overcome with a feeling of dread, as if dozens of pairs of eyes were watching them. If you ever find yourself at a hotel on the ghetto side of a major highway of Louisiana, beware of room 221 and keep your eye out for any strange men wearing Freddy Krueger-style clothes because you could be in for a very bad time. My Ex's Night Shift Horror by Anon This story is from the perspective of my ex-boyfriend. I'm an American guy living in Australia. I used to do night shift occasionally at a Chinese food shop. It wasn't so bad at first, making 25 an hour, whether I was working day or night. Now, I don't work there anymore, mostly due to personal reasons, but on to the scary stuff. It was a Tuesday night. I was trying to get through my shift when I saw some weird looking dude walk into the store. He ordered some Mongolian beef, sweet and sour pork, and a 1.25 liter bottle of Solo. So I did up his order and he paid. But then he looked me right in the eyes and said my late father's full name. My gut instantly nodded and my heart was pounding. I simply replied to him, how do you know my father? He chuckled 
and then said my full name. In that moment, I excused myself and told my old boss about the dude. My boss was an older man from China, but really energetic and fit. When he stepped out into the lobby, he pretty much confronted the guy and started yelling at the creep to leave me alone. But the man cackled in a spooky way and refused. I snapped, screaming at the guy, telling him he had no business saying my father's name, especially when I didn't know him. I then called the New South Wales police while my boss tried to get the weird guy out of the shop. While on the phone in the office, I peeked out to see if my boss was okay, and what I saw I couldn't believe. My boss had pinned the guy down and had managed to get a good view of his face. The guy was just smiling, as if enjoying the punishment. It was one of the creepiest things I'd ever seen. When the police arrived, the dude was arrested, and I later found out he was well known for dealing substances in this area and was found to have traces of it on him. He also admitted after some interrogation that he had been stalking me because apparently I looked like a younger version of him. He claimed that I stole his youth. The guy was insane. I left that shop and moved in with my current girlfriend in the big city, hoping to forget about and get far away from that creepy man. I hope I never have to be that scared in my life ever again. During My Night Shift by Vampire Witch 88 This happened during the night shift back in my former job. That day I was forced to work late because I still had a lot of paperwork to finish. It was around 6 p.m., and I was alone inside the office. I was facing my computer when all of a sudden I heard a sound on the other side of the office. So I stood up and decided to go check it out. There was no one there, nothing fell, and everything was as it should be, as far as I could tell. I went back to my desk and continued to work, but a few minutes later, another sound came. This time it was more clear it sounded like someone trying to file papers, and it was coming from the stockroom just a few steps behind me. I didn't bother to check it out. I continued to finish up my paperwork. But the next thing I knew, the whole area where I was at became cold. The AC wasn't even on, yet there I was, freezing half to death. But then, I felt a presence directly behind me. I pretended like I didn't sense them at all, shakily now doing my paperwork. But then I began to hear the computer wires behind me being pulled from the wall. Quickly, I turned off my computer as if I was done for the day and called it quits. I grabbed my bag and I bolted out of the office, trying to forget that when I turned off my computer, the screen showed a figure standing behind me. It's been a few months since then, and it scared me so bad that I asked for a transfer to a different office. Because ever since then, I keep on hearing whispering and random footsteps whenever I'm alone in the office. Sometimes it even follows me to the restroom or the lobby, and I just can't get away from it. Not yet, anyway. Here's to hoping that I get that transfer. Night Shift 
by Alex. I work for a company in Western New York that's basically an assisted living home. I take care of around 10 folks with one other staff member at night. We normally don't have anyone else come in until five in the morning, so from midnight until then, we're alone. Recently, we had a gentleman in our home pass away. He was DNR and septic, so the doctors couldn't do anything about it, and it was so severe already when they caught it. In this field, you really end up getting attached to some of these people, so it can take a toll on you emotionally when you lose someone, but it isn't uncommon. In the last two years, four people I've considered friends have passed away in the home I work at. That being said, it's the most medically challenging home in the agency and considered a step-down home on verge of hospice. After this gentleman passed away, weird things began to happen. My coworker and I were relaxing on a bit of our downtime one day when we heard a spine-chilling noise followed by screaming. We got up to investigate, but there was nothing. All the patients were asleep just like normal. Fifteen eerie minutes later, we heard one of our almost non-verbal guys speaking to someone and laughing. Dumbfounded, we once again got up to see what was going on. It was the roommate of the man who passed away. It stopped as quickly as it started. We had no idea who he was talking to or what he was laughing about. So we walked away and tried to forget about it. An hour later after that, I was back in the home near where the bedroom was located doing bed checks. One of the decorations on the shelf came suddenly flying off of the shelf and smashed into the floor hard. Thankfully, it was just plastic so it didn't break, and it probably couldn't have hurt anyone, probably, but it definitely freaked me out. So I hurried up and did my checks, then got out of that part of the house just as the lights began to flicker. The rest of that night was uneventful. The next day, I got into work at 9 p.m. to work another 9 to 9. The girl I was relieving relayed to me the day's events. She said, I was emptying Jay's bag and turned around. I felt something bump into me, then I looked back towards Jay's wheelchair, which is very heavy and hard to push due to a broken wheel we've been trying to get fixed and it was being pushed back into me like someone was trying to get me out of the way. I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck stand up from her saying that, her excuse being that it was around the time the deceased man usually went to the bathroom before lying down for the evening. That night had lots of different feelings about it, awful feelings, dreadful feelings, that made me not want to go anywhere near that part of the house but it was part of my job too. So dragging my coworker into the rooms with me, we looked at the beds very quickly. When we came to the bed that belonged to the man who passed away, we found a heavy impression in it, as if someone was still lying there. We quickly noped it out of the room and do whatever we can to not have to go back into it. To this day, small things continue to happen, and I just hope that if that is his spirit, he just finds peace so that I can find peace and quit being absolutely terrified of my job.
The following final two stories are from previous videos, but hopefully they're old enough that you haven't heard the stories. Either way, I hope you enjoy. Ghost Stories from a Shipping Plant Submitted by Tom I've worked security for a few years now. If there's one thing I've learned while working security, it's that we often experience some creepy things. There is one place I remember clearly in a certain rural Tennessee town. I worked at a big building that used to be a packaging and shipping product company. They would distribute various wares to stores. It ran 24 seven and was only closed on Christmas. At least when I was posted there, that's how it was. When I signed on, there was an old guard who had been there for years. One night he told me that it used to close on weekends and during that time, security would be the only ones in the building. They would hear screams from nowhere as well as disembodied voices all over. I didn't believe him. I thought he was trying to scare the new guy, nor did I ever hear those voices. Though I did have a few experiences, all of which can be backed by at least one other witness. Before I continue, I should describe the posts where most of this happened. The entire facility is fenced off. There is an entrance in the front for employees and contractors. Around the back, there are two gates, one for truckers and the other for what is called a yard dog. Basically our own private truckers who would move trailers between our two local sites. Across the street, there was a lot. This is where drivers who were over their time could go to sleep. The first gate had a small shack and would be manned by two people. The other one had a smaller shack we called gate two. These experiences happened at the back gate and gate two over my time there. This first experience happened to a friend of mine. After midnight, the back gate had the task of doing hourly patrols. It would take about 30 minutes on foot, but maybe 10 minutes in a car. So normally we used our own cars to drive it and get it done faster. It was my friend's turn, let's call him CM, to do his rounds. He drove off and about two minutes later, he already came back and he was broken down into tears. He was a coworker and a close friend of mine. So right away, I asked him what was wrong. He told me, I, I drove through this mist. It was like an odd fog. And suddenly I heard some strange music. I was just overwhelmed with utter sadness. And honestly, I felt the urge to kill myself. So I had to come back. I can't go back out there, man. After he told me this, he flat out refused to go on any more patrols that night. Though soon afterwards, other guards and myself would not blame him. One cool night, I decided to do the patrol on foot and I had a bright flashlight with me. As I walked along rows upon rows of empty trailers, I heard loud banging coming from inside one. Now it's not unheard of to have vagabonds and animals that had climbed into the trailers and part of my job was to check for them. If we found anyone like that, we would call the proper authorities for the situation. I walked up to the trailer and peeked inside. And as soon as I did, the banging stopped. As I looked around with my flashlight, the trailer was completely empty. This sent a chill down my spine and gave me goosebumps. I decided to walk away since technically there was nothing there. As I got to the front of the trailer, I heard this laugh that chilled me to the core and filled me with fear. 
Immediately, I ran back to the guard shack and then I swore never to do the patrols again. On another night, I was with a female guard who we simply called Sarge due to her ranking and hard to remember name. One night we were sitting and talking, just passing the time. We suddenly saw a humanoid figure standing square in the middle of the unlit lot. He seemed to stand still until we both began staring at him. Then he raised his arms towards us and started to try to wave us down. But his movements were, for a lack of better terms, off. They didn't look quite right, but his voice was what really got our attention. In a loud, monotone voice, he shouted to us, Help me, I need some help. It was like a bored high schooler was being forced to read a line from a play. Sarge handed me a flashlight and told me to go investigate. She said she'd watch my back, that she would call the emergency services if needed. I started to walk over and the man was gone. Still, I had to investigate further. I went to the lot and one vehicle had its lights on, so I knocked on the door and waited. And after a moment, a man answered. Have you seen anyone out here? I asked him, wondering if he was playing a prank on me. No, sir, I'm the only one here who seems to be up at the moment. He replied in a voice completely different than the one we heard from the figure. This man's voice actually had emotion and expression in it. I started walking back to the shack, and the instant I turned around, all the dogs in the neighborhood began barking for no reason. When I got back inside the shack, Sarge looked at me and asked, why didn't you follow them? I was confused. What do you mean, Sarge? They were gone when I got there, I said. She shook her head. No, they were standing there until you started to walk across the street. Then they went behind the closest trailer. Again, chills flooded over my body. Sarge and I talked about this for a few nights afterward, trying to figure out who or what that was. On another occasion, I was at the new gate and Sarge was on her patrol. She came to check on me. Most nights were dead except for maybe two hours total, so we would spend time watching YouTube on our phones. At one point, she smacked the window and startled me as I was lost in some cartoon. I opened the window, then she asked me, who's with, and then she stopped. She just vacantly stared at the empty doorway to gate two small bathroom. The next words out of her mouth were, I swear to God, there was someone behind you. Even when I smacked the window, they were standing there. I thought she was still trying to startle me, but the look on her face was one of worry a look of confusion and fear, like on the night we saw that man in the lot. After that, she was quiet the rest of the night, and sadly, only a few weeks later, she quit. After that, I took her position as sergeant. There was a lot of change in the orders. I would be in the main office, and once a night, I'd do a foot patrol of all the posts. This would take about an hour, and I would carry a wand with me like the kind you see flight crews use to guide planes for takeoff in movies. I would do the patrols around the same time every night. One night before I begin my patrols, I receive a call and the guard at the back gate is surprised when I answered. If you're on the phone, who's watching us? She said in a confused voice. A bit of panic was slowly creeping in. To ease her mind, I told her that I would look on the cameras. They gave me the figure's location. I checked all three cameras that covered the area and no one was there. But she continued, 
I, I can see him, he's standing right there. We thought it was you just watching us creepily, trying to freak us out. The panic was now apparent in her voice as I checked all the cameras over and over. I didn't see a soul on a single one, no one on any of the outside cameras either. The other guard hung up and refused to pick up the phone the rest of the night. When the next shift arrived, she left in a hurry and she never showed up for her next shift. These are just a few of the strange things we saw there. Other guards told me stories of their encounters, but those are their stories to tell. Just remember, security guards see more than just shoplifters and loiterers. They also see the things that go bump in the night. Something in the Hallway, submitted by Silent Beast 21. Let me start off by saying I rationalize with the best of them, but I know there are things that just can't be explained. I'm a 30-year-old male, and this happened to me while I was working. I'm a mental health tech at a psych hospital, so already my job is far from normal. I work the night shift, and on this particular night, I was wide awake thanks to a large coffee from Starbucks, and both my favorite teams were winning their games. I say this because I don't think it was a product of fatigue. It was 3.18 in the morning. I remember it because I just made rounds on my patients, and we have to log the time we checked on each one. After I finished, I told my coworker that I was going to get some water and that I'd be right back. I like to go to the main lobby to fill my water bottle because they have a filter machine there and it pours out the best cold water. I grabbed my headphones and I began to make my way there. I'm walking down this dark hallway. It's a long one, separated by a long wall where there are groups of rooms on the other side. The only light there was at the time were the red lights from the emergency lamps. As I'm walking, listening to my music, I noticed where it looks like someone walking around the corner. I thought to myself, someone else from another unit might be taking a stroll to stay awake because it couldn't have been a patient. The hallway I'm in requires a badge to scan and a key to open and lock the door, so it had to have been another worker. So I continue on my way to the lobby. After I get my water, I scan my badge to enter the hallway once more. Then I see the same person walk around another corner. I was thinking, what's this guy doing? Making laps? Maybe trying to get in some steps on his Fitbit or something. Then it crossed my mind. Maybe it's not another staff member and actually could be a patient. Maybe they snuck out behind someone when they weren't looking. I took my headphones out and I waited to see if the person would walk around the corner again from the other side. After a few moments, after no one showed up, I began to walk down the hallway and then I saw them. It was like he materialized out of thin air. It was extremely dark though, so I rubbed my eyes and kept looking in that direction we were walking in the same direction, and I was only seven feet from him. The guy was at least six feet tall, 
and he had long hair wearing a hospital gown. And just looking at him, I had an unexplained feeling of fear welling up inside of me. I didn't want to say a word. I didn't want to get his attention. I felt like something bad was going to happen if I did. But I had a job to do. And if this was a patient wandering about, I had to do something about it. So I began to speak. Uh, hey, you shouldn't be over here. Let's go back to your room. But the man ignored me and continued walking. I got a little frustrated and tried to catch up to him. He turned the corner and I yelled, where do you think you're going? I turned the same corner, literally only two seconds after he did, but there was no one there. He was gone, just like that. There was no physical way he could have just disappeared, yet there I was, alone. Even if he ran down to turn another corner, I would have still seen him. No one is that fast. I wasn't that far behind him. I thought maybe he went into one of the group rooms in the hallway, but all the doors were still locked, and none of the patients had a key to get in. Even if a door happened to be unlocked, I would have heard the door open and close. Needless to say, I was a bit freaked out. I said to myself, screw this. If it was a patient, it wasn't one of mine. I started to walk off. Then all of a sudden, someone grabbed me by the shoulder and yanked me back. I swung around, prepared to take down the guy, but again, no one was there. Now I was terrified. Something, someone had grabbed me. Even though it looked like I was alone, I was not alone in this hallway. Then came this laugh, a twisted, evil-sounding chuckle throughout the entire hallway, something you hear out of your nightmares. <laughs> Screw this. I was out of here. I ran down to the exit, scanned my badge, and went through the door. I slammed it shut tight. Then I looked through the window of the door, and there he was standing at the end of the dark hallway, facing me. Then he did something that scared me even more. He waved at me as I'm standing there, wide-eyed, mouth agape, looking through this window. He was waving at me. I was frozen with fear. I couldn't move. He finally stopped and walked around the same corner and disappeared. When my senses came flooding back, I ran back to my unit. I must have looked pale or sickly because my coworker asked if I was okay when he saw me. I couldn't say what had just happened. There was no way he'd believe me, so I just lied and said I was okay. But I definitely wasn't. As I sat there at my desk, thinking about what had just happened, going over every possible rational solution that could explain what had just happened, I couldn't come up with a single thing. I sat there the rest of the night, replaying the event in my head. I never saw the man's face, so I couldn't place a patient's name to him. 
but what stuck with me more was his laugh. The laugh that I heard echoing throughout the hallway after he grabbed my shoulder. Oh, it was horrible. In the morning, there was no report of any patient that escaped throughout the night from another unit, and I never found out who or what he was. Maybe it was some restless spirit roaming through the hallways at night, or worse, some malevolent thing produced from the bad energy throughout the hospital. Needless to say, I never went down that hallway again at night. I don't know what that thing was, and thankfully, I haven't seen it again since. But ever since, when I'm at work, every little sound I hear or object out of the corner of my eye that I see, I'm always afraid that that thing that scared me half to death is back. I always thought I'd enjoy working on the night shift, but never really had the opportunity to. Maybe one of these days I'll apply to be a security guard, just for the fun of it, then end up running away mid-shift because I didn't have the guts to endure the creeps. Because after all, the night brings with it the creepiest people, nightmarish phantasms, and creatures that you wish would stay in horror films. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. Don't forget, you can send me your stories at darknessprevails.org submit. If you want to support me further, go to patreon.com darknessprevails and donate any amount. For as long as you do, you'll be able to download ad-free MP3 episodes and you'll get your name in the credits at the end of these videos. If you want something tangible, click the shop button below or go to teespring.com darkprevails and get some Darkness Prevails merchandise. Thank you. Now, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous full video about 17 creepy confessions from retail. Michael Spence says, my retail scary story is our gas station sushi. Considering how that's a guarantee to get food poisoning, I'm surprised more people don't go out that way. Local man takes his life using gas station sushi. Ugh, gross. The awesome VHS collector says, so happy I haven't worked in retail because I ain't old enough yet. Oh, don't be too cheeky. Your time is coming, little one. I think everyone and their mom has worked at retail in one point, and 99.999% absolutely hate it. Haley Morgan says, nursing home horror stories, please. Ah, yes, I can smell it already. The place we all end up, if we're lucky enough to live that long. You got it, Haley. Muffin Wolfie says, five stories, then 15 stories, now 17. Heck yeah, let's go, time to get my spooky off. Well, yeah, I was gonna do five, then I thought 10 would get better views, and then I asked for more stories, and you guys overproduced, and now I had to read all of them. Ah, look what you guys make me do. I love it. Happy-go-lucky scamp says, having worked in retail during the Christmas period, I've come to dismiss life as nothing but a grotesque pantomime. 100% fact, I got hired at Walmart before the Christmas period, but luckily I didn't stay on long enough and I never had to work during a major season. Lucky me. 
Anyways, guys, that brings us to the end of this Darkness Prevails episode. More scary stories are coming soon, so stay tuned. Until next time, here are the credits to my patrons who continue to donate. They're awesome people. Remember, stay safe out there and stay creepy because this world is a strange one.